The Goal Radio Football Show. So is Turnbull to Celtic about to happen? There's talk in Turkey about a £7 million striker in Celtic's sights. Ryan Kent apparently wants to stay with Rangers. Alfredo Morelos is reportedly pushing to get to France. What do you think about the Scotland squad? Do you care about the Scotland squad? I know some of you don't. I do, speaking personally. This is the Go Radio Football Show. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and it's Tuesday, so it must be Stephen Craig. How are you? I'm good, Rob. I'm back. I was away last week. I was away on a course down in Lincolnshire. So I'm back this week and I love talking football. So lots to look forward to. I'm intrigued. What was the course about? Uh, I... Is it too complicated to yeah, say? Yeah, it is. It is okay. very complicated. Let's not do it. Let's talk instead to uh, a new man in the Scotland squad. What a day for Robbie McCrory. Hi, Robbie. Hi, yeah. How's things? Well... Uh, things are well here, but I imagine they're very well as far as you're concerned. Ali, great news about, about Robbie and the Scotland squad. Absolutely. Robbie, I know your phone has been popping off all day. Um, who has sent you the best message? What, was you've, what have you received today that you thought, oh, like that? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I've said that many, to be fair. My phone's been going mad. Um, I'm actually not too sure. A lot of people that have just, I've been in obviously a lot of loan moves and that, and boys that have not spoken in a while. Uh, just giving my message, congratulating, obviously, what's happened. So it's probably that, maybe, because it's people that's been there from uh, right from the start. It's nice to have you catching up with them as well. I know you're really, really busy tonight, but thank you for taking time to chat with us. I don't know whether Stephen's got something to... to... Yeah, Robbie, first of all, congratulations. I think it's always nice when you get recognised for you know, how well you're playing and what you're doing and getting a chance to play for your country. You touched on it there, all those loan moves. You know, 22 years of age, you've been at Berwick, you've been at Queen of the South, you've been at Morton, you've been at Livingston. So it's a different route to get there, but um, it's been worthwhile. It has. Um to be honest, I just think, especially when you're a young player, I think the best thing is to, to go out and play. So I was 19 when I first went uh, to Berwick Rangers, um, and that was League 2. Um, then, to be fair, even the year before that, I tried to get out. But uh, just playing games has been the best thing for me. Uh, I just think that's how you can progress. Uh, and also, if you're playing it, gives you opportunities just like the one that's obviously like a rose now if I wasn't playing then I would never get a chance to get in a squad and in naming you in the squad today Rory I mean Stevie Clark was making that very point uh, about the loan moves which have uh, done you so much good uh-huh. no they have uh, I've always been keen because I think uh, I'm obviously at Rangers but it's so easy like when you're younger to uh, be happy maybe to just stay at Rangers and call yourself a Rangers player and just like, live that side of it up but I've always just wanted to get out and try and get a profile for myself like just play men's football that was the case when I was younger now I've obviously built my way up uh, I'm at Livingston now uh, obviously they've given me the opportunity in the Premier League and Steve Clark's um, gave me the opportunity now in their squad so uh, I feel like everything that I have done has been the, the best way to go about it. Here he is, Scotland manager. Yeah, I think he's he's gone out wherever he's gone. I think from from a young age he's been out at some of the the lower clubs. The first came, first no, took my notice really when he was at Morton. I thought he did well there. 
obviously stepped up to Livingston last year, had a good second half of the season. Uh, he's gone back to Livingston again this year. So it just seemed like an ideal time to bring uh, young Robbie in and have a look at him. Tell me that one of the first texts you sent today was to your brother, Ross, saying, well done on getting into the under-21 squad, but uh, good good luck in making it up to the real thing. Nah, nah. Uh, I think, to be fair, we've both got a good relationship, obviously, and nah. he wants to see me doing well, and I want to see him doing well. But uh, that was just a, a wee bit of a surprise, to be honest, like, for myself. Like, it was an ambition this year to get in an A-squad, did I think it would happen maybe this early on? Probably not. Uh, just when I seen, obviously, I was in the 21 squad a few days ago. Um, but Ross, he's just as happy as I am right now, and I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, now he's obviously Aberdeen playing every week, that I don't think he'll be too far off it himself. You've had a special few days, haven't you, when you think about it? Because at Pataudry on Sunday, uh, playing on opposition to each other, playing the two McCrory brothers on either side at, at Pataudry, that I mean, that must have been pretty incredible as well. It was. I mean, that's the first... We've obviously we've been the same team all the way up, even at boys' club, through the youth ranks, the national team. Uh, it was a wee bit strange, but... <laughs> see, when you're playing against each other, you just want to win anyway, so... Like obviously, unfortunately, Levinson, like we weren't in the, the right side at the end of the game, but it was definitely uh, a different experience. Um, I could just tell the whole week leading up to like, the game on Sunday it would be like the battle of the McCullys, but we never seen it as that. It was just like, let's try to do well for our teams. I was at, I was at the game. One thing, uh, a couple of things struck me in that game about you, and obviously uh, enhanced by the fact that there, there were no fans in, so you, you hear everything in the park. Uh, how how loud you shout is that? Is that a, is that a feature of your game? I think you, I think you could be heard in Stonehaven, probably. <laughs> you still there, Robbie? Well, he's not shouting at the moment. He's gone. No. <laughs> in response to that, he's gone really quiet. I'll tell you what I liked there. Actually, when he was talking at the start. You know his attitude about not just accepting of being a Rangers player and training every day. He wanted to get out and play first team football. He wanted to play men's football. He obviously looked at his career and thought that's the pathway to get into Rangers first team is to go and put yourself in the shot window, allow your manager to see you playing. I mean, going to Berwick Rangers, going to Queen of the South. He probably could have went to more glamorous places. Nothing against those two. Uh, lovely towns but I think you know he could have put himself a little bit higher up so the fact he's worked his way up Rob and his attitude and even just speaking to him there everything seems to be on the right path for him and you know he did say he wanted to make an A squad this year I'd imagine now he's made the A squad his aim will now be to get a senior cap and that's something that's good for young players goal setting setting yourself targets trying to aim for that so every day you train you're looking for that so you know I think it's Admiral's attitude just when I was speaking to you about shouting, you went all quiet on us as the as the phone line Robbie went <laughs> went went dead. But uh, is that is that a big feature of your game? That I mean, you're you know sometimes young goalkeepers take a while to to make their presence felt. But um, you've got a fair set of lungs on you, judging by listening to you on Sunday. Nah, I do. I think I think especially when a goalkeeper uh, doesn't even matter what age you are. I think you need to have a bit about you to organise the team. I always feel let's see if you can just be. Loud and like communicate well. That could be the difference between you maybe not having to make a save uh, and the team not conceding a goal. I just I think it's obviously I wouldn't say now. There's a lot of people that do it, and it's something that I've always done. I feel that it's like a massive part of the game. Uh, just uh, having that bit of authority about you. 
um, in presence, obviously. Did you wonder whether you were actually going to play in that game? Because Max Rijeka, uh had, a, had that amazing save against Rangers from the free kick the previous weekend. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think Gary Holt's been making the point that he's got two number one goalkeepers and, and you, you're very much fighting for the position. Is that right? As that's the case, I think it doesn't matter what club you're at, you need to have competition. And it's no different for me at Livingston this year. Max is a like, good goalkeeper and is, we'll both push each other. But I just, like, when I go in Monday to Friday every week, I'm just trying to be the best I can be. Uh, I think that's, as soon as you start maybe worrying about other people, you can get caught up in things. But I just try to get the most out of it every day. Then come the Saturday, uh, if I can comfort, like, perform well and be consistent, I think it can put me in a good place, obviously. Rory, you were saying it would be worth um, you trying to be the best you can be. When you were younger, growing up, who did you look up to and who sort of got you into football when you first started? So, it's, I mean, obviously a big Rangers supporter like growing up. So, Alan McGregor was the, the number one at the time. Um, so, I would obviously always watch him. And I've seen the stuff that he did with the national team on top of that. So, he was, I looked up to him a lot. Um he had uh, like Buffon, Manuel Neuer, all like the people that are still about now. Um, I've always aspired to just try and get to like, the highest level possible. I think you, you need to look closely at the players that's at that level and try and take whatever you can from them, maybe add it into my own game. So would you like to think that maybe a year or two down the line you might be the guy that elbows Alan McGregor out of that Rangers goalkeeper's jersey because uh, I mean he, he's, he's still going strong isn't he at the age of whatever he is 38 I think at the moment but uh, your timing might be good at the age of 22 for uh, by the time you, you go back to Rangers I guess that is a big ambition for you isn't it to become the Rangers goalkeeper I would be careful at what you say remember I'm sure Alan McGregor listens to the Go Radio show the Go Radio <laughs> football show so choose your words carefully Robbie nah definitely um, I think like see, obviously long term, like, I would love that, but I just feel like I'm at Livingston right now, and all I need to do is try and do my best for Livingston, try and get results for them. Because if I look ahead two years time and forget about what I'm doing now, uh, like my ambition obviously to try and get to Rangers might never happen. Um, so I feel like this season's like too important to carried away so my main obviously focus and I was uh, to do well at Livingston then who knows at the end of this season I'll go back to Rangers and I'll hopefully be in a good place and we'll just see what happens You seem to be having a great time at Livingston it's a good place to be a good club to be around what's the, the atmosphere like? It is no, it's a good atmosphere uh, all the boys get on well with each other um, through the staff and that everybody just I'd, I like to just get in put my head down work hard just like or work, like grind away but enjoy like doing your, your work at the same time uh, and I feel that way when I go into Livingston even every other club I've been at I've just uh, got myself into like a routine every try to be like one of the first in and last away each day to just give myself the best opportunity Talking of Livingston, are you pleased that uh, Lyndon Dykes, uh, now a Queen's Park Rangers player, of course, has opted for Scotland and he, of course, is in that squad alongside you? Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, I played with Lyndon at the tail end of last season and uh, start of this. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. It's easy for me um, getting into the squad and I've got a good relationship with him, but 
but from on the pitch, I think you can hopefully add a bit of strength, uh, and he'll definitely compete. And he's, he deserves getting his call up. He's been brilliant for the last year, two years, and he's another one that's obviously came up and he's uh, like worked his way up from the championship, etc. And now he's got his call up, and I think he'll kick on. That was some save you had on Sunday from Marley Watkins. I think he thought he was getting his debut goal for Aberdeen, but that was uh, that reflex hand. That was some save. Uh, well, it's just one of them. Like above John Hayes, I think was out wide and like you're covering the front area, and I've literally I've just threw myself trying to make myself as big as possible to put him off, and I've got a hand to it. Uh, it was, I was also happy to keep it out. So, um, I no, I was. I don't like to hype up too much, but uh, I enjoyed it anyway. Yeah, I had a look at your stats. You've played under six, probably under fifteen as well, under sixteen international, under seventeen under international, under nineteen, under twenty-one. I mean, I think you were cut off when I was saying that. You know, you probably set a target this year for getting an A team call up. It'd be nice to get a cap somewhere along the line as well, wouldn't it? Just to just to complete that set. It would be. I mean, that would be obviously amazing. If, I've said before that I've been fortunate uh, that I first went in the under-15s and I've worked my way up. And I, I just love see going away with internationals and playing against like, some of the best players in Europe and sizing yourself up against them. Uh, now, obviously, I've got an opportunity in the, the A squad and I, I just want to make the most of it. Um, it's obviously my first call-up, but uh, I just want to go in... Uh, have a good account myself then you never know what can happen uh, can hopefully come the end of the season then if I if I was to also get that first game that would be amazing but I'm still young like I know that uh, I'll need to be patient but I don't see why I can't push myself as hard as possible to maybe get that chance Robbie congratulations it's great news for you uh, you'll be delighted and uh, well done and thanks for talking to us on the Go Radio Football Show yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, enjoyed that. Good luck, Robbie. Good luck. <laughs> Cheers, Robbie. All the best right, to you. Uh, so that squad then, uh, Robbie's among the goalkeepers. David Marshall, who's just joined Derby County. John McLaughlin of Rangers is among the goalies as well. Liam Cooper of Leeds. Declan Gallagher, Motherwell. Scott McKenna, who went off at half-time on Sunday for Aberdeen, but it was illness rather than injury. But he's certainly short of match action. So Stephen O'Donnell of Motherwell, same category. Um, but then when you look at the English-based players as well, they're between the end of the delayed last season and the start of the delayed next season um, Andy Robertson of Liverpool Greg Taylor Celtic Kieran Tierney of Arsenal heard the England squad today no left backs we've got plenty we could uh, sell them one uh, Stuart Armstrong Southampton Ryan Christie of Celtic John Fleck Sheffield United Ryan Jack of Rangers John McGinn Villa Callum McGregor Celtic we'll hear from Callum in the course of the show Kenny McLean of Norwich Scott McTominay of Man United Ollie Burke West Brom uh, Lyndon Dykes now QPR of course James Forrest Celtic uh, Lauren Shankland of Dundee United so presumably he must be imminently returning for the Tanadice team you reckon uh, getting a game or so um, before those Scotland games and Ollie McBurney of Sheffield United as well let's hear Stevie Clark on Lyndon Dykes firstly Lyndon was very honest he had obviously had a chance to go and play for Australia as well we had a good chat a good honest chat uh, he gave me his thoughts I gave him my thoughts and what would be what would be best for him? Thankfully, he's he's named in the squad. 
I think I'm quite excited about the the, the fact that Lyndon Dykes has opted for for Scotland rather than Australia, um, because the the option is there if you're good enough and you're developing uh, as he is improving. He'll continue to improve with QPR. Crags, um, he could be the Scotland striker for many years to come. He could be. He's the right age as well. I think 24 years of age. Uh, until he gets on the pitch, though, and actually gets capped in the Nations League, Rob, I think. You know, that's when everybody will be convinced he is going to play for Scotland. There's been a lot of talk around it, hasn't there, for such a long time. But he has got that attribute, or the, or he's got the attributes to play as that lone striker. You know, he can run him behind, he's mobile, he can get about the pitch, he's prepared to put the work in, his hold-up play, his link-up play, probably will improve as he gets older. Um, you know, he, he can occupy defenders. And I think that's what Scotland have probably lacked. That's someone who knows how to play that lone striker role can take people out of the game he's a foil for getting up the pitch Livingston will miss him hugely you know because that's what he was so good at for them so this is another challenge for him he went to Queen of the South and he settled and he done well he's went to Livingston and settled and done well another challenge for him to go to uh, Queen's Park Rangers to play international football um, and he seems to have taken a lot of it in the stride you know, he really does I mean could he add more goals to this game possibly but I think he'll give them a work ethic up front that they probably haven't had that kind of dynamic player who can really run him behind so I think he'd be a huge asset Another contender for that main striking position, of course, is Ollie McBurney of Sheffield United. Not everyone's cup of tea. I don't really read about the, the sticker that the players are getting. I look at players, I judge them on my, my own my own eyes, I judge them on their merits. I look at what he did, and I thought he did well last season for, for Sheffield United. And if he can transfer that form into the international stage, then he'll be a big player for Scotland now and in the future as well. I get what people say and think about Ollie McBurney. He plays with his socks down a lot of the time. He looks like he's playing in the park sometimes. He maybe gives an impression that he's not taking it entirely seriously. But when you look at the level that he's been mm-hmm. playing at, Stephen, for Sheffield United, top six or seven in the English Premier League, starting laterally, he was starting all the time, I think, for them, scoring goals, making goals. The claims are obvious. The question is, has he delivered or has he been at his best when he's played for Scotland and the answer is probably no is there lots of potential there can he get better absolutely of course he can we're very quick to judge sometimes and judge players what I think has gone against him as well Rob is that £20 million transfer fee that he's hanging around his neck moving from Swansea people are expecting an awful lot more what you have to remember is it's an inflated market down in England you know, he wouldn't be worth that in Scotland, potentially. And they're looking at Dembele and they're looking at Edward and the symbol. He's gone for 20 million. Surely, yeah. you know, these players are better than him. So I don't think that's his fault. But, you know, he still has to up his performance naturally, to, you know, in a Scotland jersey. I think he was involved in all 36 league games last year for Sheffield United right. in yeah. the Premier League. So that's a huge incentive for him. And he's, you know, he's definitely got the quality. He just has to bring it out in the dark blue jersey. Ollie McBurney, what do you reckon? Is he Scotland's number nine? Is it Lyndon Dykes? What do you reckon about that Scotland squad? Is it good enough? Is it strong enough? All sorts of question marks, of course, around uh, players' match sharpness. But then that would go for just about every nation at the moment. Those matches kicking off a week on Friday. Scotland against Israel, followed by the match against Czech Republic. Let's have your thoughts on that. Your thoughts on any of the football issues which are uh, running around the place at the moment. Oh, wait. 17, 17, 700. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.
Thanks for that, Chris. Good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show. It's 26 minutes past five on a Tuesday evening and you can very much get involved with us as well uh, via that phone number 0808 17 17 700. Text GO and your message to 874 74 and on the socials it's at Go Football Show. Getting to one of our callers in just a sec but some pretty major news is breaking at the moment on the subject of Harry Maguire, the England defender, the Man United captain who was named in Gareth Southgate's squad today after a conversation between him and the international manager. Well, he's just been found guilty in Greece of uh, aggravated assault, resisting arrest and repeated attempts at bribery. So that is a story that is uh, boiling up at the moment. And uh, any further um, updates on that, we'll give them to you in the course of the show. But let's get back to Scottish football and speak to Alan in Cumbernauld. Hi, Alan. Hi, Rob. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You're a Motherwell yeah. fan, I'm right in saying? Yeah, that's right. Um, I was a bit concerned about the start of the season. Uh, so this um, question really for Stephen. Sure. Um, I was just wondering what he thought about the um, game in Frosty because I'm not sure about the standard of football in Northern Ireland, but um, I just kind of wonder what he thought of chances were in Frosty. Apologies for the quality of line. Uh, firstly, it's not it's not great, but uh, I think you got the gist of that, Craig. Yeah, listen, no doubt that Motherwell are huge favourites. Get into this game. Uh, are they a little bit vulnerable? Yeah, they are because they have had a tough start of the season. They have only scored in one of their five games, albeit they've you know they've lost three of the games by a single goal. So they're not being outplayed. Um, they're dominating plenty of the ball. They're lacking that little edge to their game that can that can score goals. And I always think sometimes that can be the hardest thing to get in to your team once the season starts is that little continuity, getting the relationships right at the top end of the pitch. But listen, Glen Torn will be a handful, no doubt about it. Um, they they are probably training four or five times a week. I it's more like a hybrid system, I think. They train maybe two nights and two days, you know, or three days and two nights is what they train at the minute. So they'll be well organised, they'll be fit. They've just come off off the back of winning the Irish Cup. They won it on the 31st of July. This That's what got got them into Europe. So um, the pressure will be all on Motherwell, no doubt about it. They will be the team in the ascendancy, I would imagine. But certainly Glenn Soren, if they get chances and, and, and chances come their way, um, you know, they could pose problems. I was at the game on Saturday and that was the first I've seen Motherwell close up so far this season but uh, I was working alongside James McFadden and, and he was saying well this is pretty much the way it's been uh, in all five games so far um, lots of good possession play but uh, in and around the penalty box just not happening apart from the, what one game in which Motherwell did score um, a couple of goals are you concerned Alan about how things are shaping at the moment? Yeah I, I been quite disappointed by the start to the season. Um, I mean, I really thought that the game on Saturday would have been the, the ideal chance to get back in track. I mean, I think we, I think we knew how the game was going to pan out. I think we knew that Hamilton were going to were going to sit in. And at times, Carson was actually playing as a bit of a sleeper. Um, but yeah, it's been really disappointing, and it's not the type of form that you want to be going into such a important game. You know, because I think we're struggled. Scottish teams in Europe as it is without going into the game you know in such poor form and really it was only David Turnbull to my eye yeah. at the weekend who, yeah. who, who looked like he was going to create anything well though the likes of Alan Campbell plays I mean I love Alan Campbell as a player but 
you know, he he's not going to open up defences. No. That's that's not really what he's there for. Neither Mark O'Hara, to be honest. There wasn't much coming from no. the wide positions. So it was all about Turnbull, and and he, it seems, Craggs is on the way out. Yeah. Well, you know, you look at the attacking players they have of Callum Lang, Jordan White, Sherwin Seedorf, Jamie Hilton, Jake Casty, Chris Long, and Tony Watt. I mean, that's a good. Good quality there, you know. That's up to those players. They they have to take responsibility themselves for making something happen in the game. You know, those guys are in the team to take risks in the final third, to take someone on, to be creative, to get that shot off, to get that cross in. So, um, you know, they're not being outplayed in games. They're not being beat four and five nil left, right, and centre. You know, it, sometimes it takes that first win just to kickstart the season. Suddenly, confidence starts flowing down. Irrespective of how you get the win, you could play poor in the night, getting the three points, and suddenly that self belief start, you know starts to come back again. So, um, but Thursday night is a big one. You know, I think financially it's a big one as well. If you start uh, stocking three rounds in Europe, the money starts to to add up nicely, which Mother will probably have budgeted for. Probably yeah. budgeted for a couple of rounds in European football because they know they would get a lesser team or a lesser nation team, um, and at this stage so you know even though Glenn Tome will make it difficult and and you know they will be quietly confident Mother will have to you know show some self-belief and, and put a performance in and earn the right to qualify and of course it's Celtic Park at the weekend on the back of that as well yeah well listen there's no doubt they'll have one eye on that you know the focus firmly will be on Thursday night um, first and foremost but it, you know going to Celtic Park at any time is daunting when you go there in the form they're in and they haven't picked up the victory Thursday night could you know, have a big say in it. If they get a good victory, a good performance, they'll go full of self-belief. They'll think, right, okay, maybe our season started and we can go and get after the game. If it doesn't go right on Thursday night, then Celtic Park looks a really, really tough one. Alan, thanks for your call. Alan and Cameron Old on the Go Radio Football Show. Um, on the day the uh, Scotland squad has been named by Stevie Clark for those upcoming matches against Israel and the Czech Republic. Let's talk to a former Scotland striker, um, he was playing for Scotland when we were last playing a major finals Darren Jackson it seems like a long long time ago <laughs> it was a long long time ago Rob <laughs> it was it was. <laughs> it doesn't seem it it was a long and it's too long Rob it's yeah. way too long for a country like Scotland it's disappointing I've spoken to before I've spoken before about the likes of Barry Ferguson Darren Fletcher uh, Scott Brown never played at a tournament and and I'm not being funny. People say, "Oh, yeah, it must feel great. You're the last. You're the last team to qualify." I don't, Rob. I want to go. I want to go with my my son to a tournament and and experience it as a fan because I know how wonderful it is. And and these players, like they've achieved loads in their career. Say Barry and Scott and, and Darren, loads in their career. But it must it must uh, hurt them that they've never been to a major tournament with their country. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was lucky enough to be there as part of the media, commentating on the on the games for the BBC at the time. Scotland, Brazil, and the Stade de France, and and if somebody had said to me, and 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 equally, if somebody had said to you as a player at the time with Scotland, you're going to become a part of history here because twenty odd years on, we're 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 not going to be back. I mean, you would have just laughed in somebody's face at that stage because we had that happy habit of being there. Yes, we always got criticised that we never got through to the next stage, which is. Um, it's kind of hurtful when you, when you look at it but qualifying was is the main objective and unfortunately and it is it's really really strange how we've because we've had good teams we've had good players um, and I know myself Rob I was very lucky to be playing in an unbelievable team with the McAllisters McStays McCoys McCalls Hendries Leightons Gorums and I could go on wonderful unbelievable players and I was lucky to play in a squad like that 
but um, we've had good players since, and it is. It's really sad that uh, we've not been there. So hopefully uh, we can look to the future, and hopefully we can be there. How was it to play in that game? I know, I know how it was to to be to be working at it, to be in that stadium on that day in the in the sunshine of of Paris. How was it to play? for Scotland against Brazil and at one point look up at the scoreboard and see 1-1 <laughs> Well to be truthful Rob um, people ask me how nervous now you always get nervous before a game um, you get really nervous before an old Firm game but I've got to say it's probably the, the calmest I've ever been going, on to, going into a game now whether people have an opinion whether I played well or whether I didn't play well I was quite calm in the game and I, I really obviously really enjoyed the game you're up against, I mean, real, real superstars. And I thought we, I thought we, we put on an accomplished performance. I thought we did well. We lost a goal after four minutes where you think some teams will maybe fold after that, but we came right into the game. And I, I honestly believe, and I, I think we were unlucky not to get a draw, a draw that day. Darren, just talking about, you know, you're talking about the time when you played and you, know, you mentioned it there, the team work and the team ethic was very strong back then. That's something that probably needs replicated, doesn't it? And this day, for Scotland to get the major championship, everybody pushing in the same direction, fighting for that same goal. If they had that same unity that you've had, there's no doubt the quality of squad that they have should be qualifying for a major championship. Yeah, Stephen, I think you're right. I mean, like, as I said, I've just spoken about, I've missed out a lot of players. That I, I, do you know, that we went through the tournament, we lost three goals. It's incredible. In the, qualifi- in the qualifiers. Now, I played, I was lucky enough to obviously go to Euro 96. Before that, for, for Scotland, I played in 13 qualifying games in the two tournaments, and I lost one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we just didn't, I mean, everybody, and it was always, the, the forwards very, very rarely lasted the game because, and they all talk about it, or oh, you press from the front. The forwards started things then. The forwards worked their, their socks off. And as I said, Craig knew what he was going to... I mean, I was lucky at Cloyste, Gordon Jury, Kevin Gallagher, John McGinley, John Spencer. Do you know what I mean? Boys yeah. who were talented players who could score goals. Um, but we had a unit and we were a very, very strong a strong unit. And you're right, they have the players now. Now, whether they're going to have to play one of their best players in a different position in Kieran Tierney, probably left-sided centre-half of a four or left-sided centre-half and a three. Andy Robertson's used to playing left-back. Will they have to play left-wing-back? But we need both of those players in the team. Mm. So you're, you're looking what formation we're going to play. But they definitely have, with with the, the midfield of the McGinn's, McGregor's, McTominay's, Kenny McLean, we definitely have a nucleus of a, of a good side that you just need games, Stephen. You know what it's like? You need games together. You need that trust. Um, in each other and you need to, you need a bit of luck there's no doubt you need yeah. a bit of luck yeah you, you know because you look at the likes of Steve Clark and what he'd done with Kilmarnock it would have been similar probably you know that mindset of what you've had back in 98 you know hard to play against hard working forwards everything just seems to fit the bill that suits international football to get your results so Steve Clark you know you're talking about time and getting it right if he can get it right over these games it could mirror almost how Kilmarnock have played and how they've set up wouldn't it yeah with, without a doubt yes now Listen, it's been it's been tragic what's happened with COVID for for the, the world, <laughs> not just for our country, yeah. but actually for our football um, team. It's actually worked out better because we've had, we've got Kieran Tierney back, you've got McKenna back, 
You know, I mean, Dykes has come into it, who I, I'm a big fan of Lyndon Dykes. I think he can offer an awful lot to the team. But you've you've got those players back, so it gives you, like, apart from probably Griffith, um, I still think, obviously, Billy Gilmore's injured, um, who I think is going to be a superstar. Yeah. I think Mikey, Johnst- Mikey Johnston could be a massive player for Celtic. So apart from those three, you've actually got a full squad together, and it's probably the first time Stevie's sat down and thought, well, I'm maybe going to have to leave him out, and I'm maybe going to have to leave him out, which is which is great for the manager. Not nice for the players who are left out, but fantastic for the manager. Ali here. I'm just wondering, Darren, if I'm correct and I have done my research right, you are on Twitter, um, <laughs> FA coach and very much into sort of pro grassroots football. No, yeah, I'm not on Twitter. Are you not? Well, there's a Darren <laughs> no. Jackson who is an FA coach who's very much into grassroots <laughs> no. football and I was really no. excited thinking it was you. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's someone else. I'm not I'm not on Twitter. No. That, that's, the guy that's, that's the guy that stands in from public appearances and stuff like that. <laughs> da, da, Darren, I'm interested to get your, uh, your thoughts on the club scene at the moment. Um, obviously, no great surprise, there's lots of manoeuvring in the transfer market and lots of rumours that will presumably stay as rumours and actually never come true. Uh, at Rangers, it looks like Alfredo Morelos is on the way out. It sounds today as if he's he's pushing now to get that move to Lille. It may be eighteen million pounds if 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 we're if the the rumours are to be believed. Ryan Kent is apparently saying he wants to stay at Rangers, and on the on the Celtic side, reports in Turkey today that, that Celtic have, have agreed a seven million pounds fee for Ghanaian striker. Caleb Ikuban of uh, Trabzonspor. Now, I mean, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because were that to be true, and it might have no basis in truth at all, then that would start to get the Celtic fans worried about Odson Edouard, wouldn't it? A hundred percent, Rob. I mean, that 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 just screams out of you that, that out at you. That's what's going to happen. Um, and I hope. Do you, do you think that's what's going to happen? Well, if the seventh, they've just spent. They've just, they've just signed a, the striker. They've got Griffiths to come back. They've got Klamala. And they're not going to have five, five six strikers, Rob. Now, no. I, I would hope that they hold, they hold on to Edward because he is, he is going to, he's going to be a, a wonderful player in his career. But this year, I think they need Edward. You don't know if Griffiths is going to come back to where he was. Um, hopefully, hopefully he can. Um, we're only seeing flashes uh, of... Um, um, so I'm, I'm I'm just not sure, but that that actually, I mean, as I say, it's not really rocket science. If you're signing a seven million pound Celtic, yeah. signing a seven million, it's going to go in the team. Yeah, you and just wonder. It, it, sorry, I just kind of wonder are they being proactive though, Darren, in case they lose Edward? Because if they lose Edward and get all that money late in the window, you know, it it can be difficult then trying to get although, someone although, in. Although late in the window means about October. Yeah, it could it? be, but yeah. but still that's, yeah. you know, for them, they've suddenly got 18 or 25 million pounds. You know, people then, everybody's kind of price tag goes up because they know you've got money. So I just wonder, are they maybe just trying to be proactive if this comes true? But, but it'll, certainly yeah, have the, yeah, it'll certainly have the Celtic fans worrying though, yeah. won't it? Yeah, uh, 100%. Stephen, you're, you're obviously right. We've worked at clubs. You try and get something. You know there's a wee chance someone's going to go and you've got 30 million pounds. Someone who's worth eight million becomes twelve million. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we we all know that the way it works. So if you go and buy someone for seven million now, knowing that you're maybe going to sell them, but maybe they're not. I mean, as I say, I hope that hopefully they don't sell yeah. them because, as I say, he's fantastic to watch, a wonderful yeah. player, and he's going to be a massive player this season. But uh, over at Rangers, I just think that they have to take the money from Morelos. 
Now I've been I've 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 been complimentary to him. I think he's a goal scorer. I think he does really well. All his nonsense on the pitch. Sometimes that's fine. That's what gets him up for games, of upsetting people and fighting with people. And that that's he'll mature and he handling it a lot better. But since since obviously since Christmas time, since he came back after the break, he's I mean he's totally gone and he looks as though he's putting a bit weight. And the managers just haven't had enough of him. So I think you're better take taking the money for a player who yes can score you goals and will score you goals to another a player like Ryan Kent who does have potential. And I have said in the past that a little bit critical that last year he didn't have an assist. Now for a Rangers wide forward, that's not good enough. But I do think he's got massive potential and this year he started really well. And I think Stephen will be looking and saying, Well, I would rather take the money for someone whose attitude hasn't been right and is it doesn't want to be here to a, to a boy who has massive potential and he can only get better. So much going on, isn't there? It's going to be an intriguing, it's going to be a fascinating title race and let's hope we go the distance. Darren, great to talk to you. Good to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Rob. Well, man, Darren. Good Cheers, to speak Darren. to you. Cheers, Ali. Bye. All the best. That was uh, Darren Jackson on the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. It's Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and Stephen Cragen on the Go Radio Football Show tonight for a Tuesday. Wednesday night means Barry Ferguson is back with us. Simon Donnelly, ex-Celtic striker, with us Thursday. And uh, Cy Ferry will be with us, all being well, on Friday. In the course of the show so far, you've heard from Robbie McCrory, new call-up to the Scotland squad today. And uh, just hearing there from uh, Darren Jackson as well. Kevin Harper to come a little bit uh, later on. But let's speak now to Gordon from the Tartan Scarf and Gordon is immediately going to explain what the Tartan Scarf is Yeah, hi hi, Rob, thank you for hi, having Gordon. me on um, basically the Tartan Scarf is uh, it's a website, thetartanscarf.com you can find me on Twitter at the Tartan Scarf it's really just a place to, to host content and opinion and features about the Scotland national team because I'm a big, uh, big fan And what's on your mind tonight? What would you like to say Gordon? So tonight, I am very, very excited that we finally get to see Kieran Tierney back in a Scotland squad. Um, I couldn't believe this looking into this, but it's actually October 2018 was the last time Tierney was capped for Scotland. Wow. Now, obviously, a lot's happened since then. Got, had a few couple of injuries, played for Celtic, won trophies, gone to Arsenal, the big deal. And then coming out of restart, I watched a lot of Arsenal. I thought he was fantastic for Arsenal under Miguel yeah. Arteta. Now, big question is, where does he fit in the Scotland squad, especially alongside Andy Robertson? Where, not, where, not been where do you fancy? For a while. Where do you fancy Gordon? Right back. Well, do you know? I mean, he he certainly he had success playing for uh, Gordon Strachan at right back for Scotland. I mean, he's played in what's been so impressive for me at Arsenal is he's played in so many different systems under Arteta. You know, he's played left-sided centre back in a three. He's played left mid in a three-four-three. He's played left back in a four-two-three-one. I think he's got incredible flexibility. So whatever Steve Clark fancies, I think Tierney's got the ability to fit in. For me, I would personally love to see him left back in a three that would then allow Randy Robertson free licence to get as far forward as he can on the left wing. But does Andy Robertson, Stephen Cregan, like left wing back? Yeah. Do you know what? It's a hard one because you know, even Gordon said there, uh, you know, it's it's he's played left centre half, he's played left back, he's played wide left. Everything's left, left, left. That's his most natural position to be in that left hand side. So, as much as he does well at right back, 
I still think him on that left-hand side is where you're going to get best from him. Is Steve Clark going to change his system? Alec, Alec McLeish tried the system, didn't he? He tried 3-5-2, three, 3-4-3. Mm-hmm. Three, yeah. Did it work? People were complaining. No, you know, they're not in the best positions. Um, the hard bit about Andy Robertson is because if he plays uh, left wing-back effectively, it, it's probably slightly easier. But I've heard people saying, you know, 4-3-3, three, three, why does he not play wide left in a three, a front three or on that left-hand side? It's slightly different because you need a different skill set. You've got to play with your back to goal sometimes. You've got to you know, dribble past men, take them on, put crosses. And I think both of those players are better coming onto the game. They're better starting from deeper, timing their runs, waiting for wide players ahead of them to move and create that space and then they can gallop into it. So, um, listen, there's no doubt Scotland need them in the team. Three, but three four three seems the most natural way to get them in with Tierney being a left centre half. But, you know, Steve May put him in at right back because, you know... I think spot on, right? He played well there under Gordon Strachan. Does it get the best out of him? Probably not. They're, they're both. I mean, they're both essentially left backs, aren't they? Yeah. So, so do do you put one of them out of position and well, keep one of them in position, well, you're have to or, put, or, or do you, do you put them both effectively out of their uh, comfortable yeah. position? I'm not sure. It's 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 a real head scratcher, yeah, isn't it? It is because I don't know if if a back four, Kieran Tierney, uh, you know, has that enough of a defensive instinct to play in a dual centre half. You know, him and, say, Declan Gallagher or him and Scott McKenna, for example. You know, I don't know. Again, it's a different skill set, Rob. You know, you've not grown up playing in that position and suddenly you're playing international football and you're, what, two games away from going to a major championship. It's a big risk to put someone in that position who isn't really experienced when you've got someone who maybe is not a good player as uh, Kieran Tierney, for example, but is more natural playing in that centre-half, that back four, left uh, centre-half. So 3-4-3 seems the most natural one. But Steve Clark, I don't really remember playing a 3-4-3 at Kilmarnock at any stage. And to no. try and implement that system in two or three days ahead of games and because of the big game uh, next month against Israel at home, uh, or, uh, Israel at home, it's a risk to take to try and give players so much information to change everything for those players. But um, that's why Steve Clark is a Scotland manager. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon, Gordon, what about the rest of the team? I mean, what, what are the other big question marks do you think about the, about the selection? Well, do you know what? I think actually, if I could throw one other thing in, I think if he did go for that sort of almost three-five-two system with Tierney left-sided centre-back, Andy Robertson left wing-back, that would mean then that you can play someone almost as a strike partner with Ollie McBurney, which I think would bring out the best in him. You know, if you watch him at Sheffield United, he's often playing where he can dovetail with another striker, be that Billy Sharp or Lisa Mousset or or one of the other strikers there. And so I think I think if you had McBurney and potentially Dykes looking at that current squad, that could bring out the best in McBurney. You know, I think when McBurney's played for Scotland previously, he's been so isolated that any striker would have struggled in that system. So I feel like he's been a bit unfairly treated so far. So that change in shape could actually bring out the best in him as well. Dykes uh, up front alongside McBurney. Stephen, does that do well, it for you? I'll tell you what it would do. It would bring great physicality. Wouldn't it? You know, two players who who work ever so hard. You know, they they want to upset defenders. You know, they want to stretch the game and run them behind, which would leave a lot more space for the midfield players to try and play and, and and create space. And I think you know that's that's a very good point. That some strikers like playing as a front two, so they can play off each other. You know, they can isolate defenders one v one a little bit more. So it's just another option for Steve Clark to do that. But you then look at the midfield players and you think they've got so many midfield players. So many top-class midfield players. I think I've wrote there's eight or nine of them. Mm. You could pick any three, yeah. and you think that's a strong midfield trio. So that's another one. He may have to maybe move Ryan Christie into a wide area. Could Ryan Christie play 
you know, as a wing back in a three-five-two, probably not. So you'd maybe have to leave him out if he's not going to play as a number ten. So there's so many things. He, Steve Clark has to get the dynamics right. He has to get the makeup and the setup right. He's only got two more games left to do it before the big one in October. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes about it and what he does. You know, over the two games, maybe try two different systems. Again, that's a risk because you're sitting at one side and then you've got a quick turnaround to try and fire information and to change something again. So I think Steve Clark, you know, having watched the manager Kilmarnockly, would think keep it simple. Keep it basic. We've got the good players. Don't overload them with information. Um, and, you know, getting that balance is going to be, I think, the hard bit. No fans, of course, at uh, Hamden for that Scotland-Israel game coming up uh, a week on Friday. Here's what Stevie Clark said about that. It would be great to have the fans here. Obviously, everyone knows what I, what I think or what we think of the Tartan Army. They're, they're a great following. If we could get some in for October, it would be great. But listen, we'll be guided by government, UEFA, all the officials there. They're doing the best they can in, in difficult times to, to make the right decisions. It's a real shame, isn't it, Gordon? Uh, what would the response have been, do you think, uh, to this game? Because obviously... Uh, we're a bit more excited about the other Scotland-Israel game because um, that's a bit more tangible in terms of potential qualification for Euro 2021. What's confusing about about this game, the first game upcoming, is that it's a qualifier for a, a tournament that's uh, years away at the moment. Um, but but no fans. Yeah, and it's 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 a great shame. I mean, obviously everybody knows how how great the Tartan Army are and how they always travel and such. Huge numbers, home and away the games. Um, I myself, I've not actually missed a competitive home game in 11 years, so I'm particularly gutted to be missing this game. Although I have to say, my my cardboard cutout will be in the stand, <laughs> so I'm saying in theory I'm still there in spirit. So is, my it, is, is, it, is it a good likeness? It, well, it, yeah, yeah, it's there. <laughs> um, I just hope I get to see it on telly. <laughs> have you got the blue and white face paint on? Uh, well, I'm actually holding my cat, to be honest. So <laughs> two two for one. <laughs> So what about what about the rest of the team then? Are, are are you pretty happy with that squad today, Gordon? Oh look, I think it, I think I think it's, it's an incredibly strong squad, and um, and also what I think is impressive is that you look at the last squad that Steve Clark called up. There's actually very few changes this time. It's more or less the same squad. Um, obviously, lockdown has benefited us in some ways. Had the playoffs come in March, McGinn was injured. Remember, McTominay was injured. We probably would have had to go without those two players. We've got them back now. Um, it, do, it does make me chuckle, and I've said, I've said this on social media, that there's a certain level of U, U, uefa nomics at play that we won our UEFA Nations League B group over Israel to get a playoff against Israel <laughs> and get promoted to League B against Israel. I mean, <laughs> crackers. I mean, work that one out. But <laughs> there's, um, there's, yeah, there's no, there's no Lewis Morgan or, or Johnny Russell in the squad for fairly obvious reasons because they are American-based and, and quarantine issues uh, obviously come into the selection of a squad these days. It probably did a little bit the two boys in America, uh, Morgan and Johnny Russell. We could have brought them over, but with the with the quarantine issues, it would have been a it would have been a little bit unfair on the players and the clubs to do it. That's not to say that I won't do it next time if I need if I need the players in the squad, I will do it. An already uh, complicated job being Scotland manager, doing it on a part time basis, and then then you just build in things like quarantine issues, Crags as well. It doesn't rain, but it pours, Rob. Uh, you know, and, and listen, would Johnny Russell or Lewis Morgan have started the game? Probably not. You know, that, that, that's maybe been a bit harsh, but I don't imagine they would have started the game. So, you know, they would have been squad players at best. And I think it seems very unfair. I think, you know, Steve was spot on. It seems very unfair to bring them this distance if he's not going to start them in the game. Um, but if if need be further in the line and he has to do it, then I think that's fair call that he will do that. So certainly a sensible decision. 
Lauren Shankland in the squad, Gordon. So presumably Stevie Clark must know that uh, he's going to get a little bit of game time beforehand for Dundee United. Yeah, you certainly hope so. Um, obviously, it's, it's been unfortunate for Dundee United that he started this season injured. Obviously, they would have been so keen to have him for the start of the season. So pivotal last year, scoring so many goals. Um, I think Scotland can't turn their nose up at strikers that score goals, really. So I think keeping him in the squad. Um, and as, as I said before, I, I think this squad selection is as much about building a squad dynamic and looking forward to the next qualifying games as it is about these two upcoming. So I think that's why Steve Clark's not made not made many changes at all. Before you go, your prediction then for, I'll not ask you for both of them, but the Scotland-Israel, the home game, which is a week on Friday. Yeah, um, I, I would love to see us win quite comfortably. Um, I think almost ironically, you know, Sometimes when you watch Scotland play at Hamden, sometimes the, the players almost they react almost negatively to the crowd when things don't go our way. Um, the players spoke about the game last year when we played Russia at home. We took the lead and then almost instantly the team just went back into its shell and just retreated and retreated and retreated and then conceded. And I feel like perhaps maybe playing behind closed doors, there's no fans to get on the, on the players' backs. That's so true. You never know, that might actually uh, give them a level of freedom. And I'd like to say 2 nil, 2-0 Scotland. Let's hope it goes well in front of your cardboard double. Um, <laughs> and thanks for joining us, Gordon, from the Tartan Scarf. Thank you so much. Cheers. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. It's two hours of football chat that flies by on a daily basis, five till seven, Monday to Friday, the Go Radio Football Show. Before Nancy's News, I'm going to call it Nancy's News now, I think. Uh, we were talking <laughs> <like> about. <laughs> I think Nancy quite likes it as well. Um, <laughs> we were talking about no fans at Hamden for that uh, Scotland Israel game upcoming and uh, no fans for the foreseeable, but uh, we live in hope. And there is encouraging news, Stephen Craig in the studio with me uh, regarding the European Super Cup which is upcoming 24th of September at Sevilla against Bayern of course uh, it's in Budapest and uh, it seems as if there's going to be a th- 30% of the crowd in for that one that, that's got to be uh, really encouraging It has to be absolutely you know to think that uh, 24th of September you know it's the 8th of October for the Scotland home game um, you know, so potential of about thirty percent of of capacity at Hamden would be around about fifteen thousand. So, you know, whether Scotland is far enough forward for that to happen or that percentage, but certainly, if things can go okay um, for that Super Cup, although I think Hungary has been, you know, maybe slightly ahead of us with regards to movement. I think some fans have been at football already. If I'm if I'm right in thinking that, so you know, maybe they are slightly ahead. But if we could get thirty percent at Hamden. For that qualifying game, it would certainly help Scotland, no doubt about it. Stephen Craig and Rob McLean, Ali Defoy on the Go Radio Football Show, plus Mark from Newton Merrins. Hi, Mark. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Very well. What would you like to say? I was just going to ask about the rumour about um, Duffy possibly coming. Shane Duffy. Brighton to yeah. Celtic, yeah. Um, do you know if there's any um, any truth in it? Or is it just, is it just uh, nothing but a rumour? There was a lot of talk, a lot of talk about Shane Duffy yesterday uh, being in Scotland and it was all happening and all the rest of it. And then I think it turned out that uh, that Brighton were having a training camp up in Dundee, uh, and and that was the reason that the club were here. But but it's a strong story. He seems to see Celtic as a preferred destination for himself. And Neil Lennon hasn't said much to put us off Stephen Craig in the idea that Shane Duffy could shortly be a Celtic player. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that Celtic could do with another central defender. You know, uh, Suminovic went in the summer. Uh, Christopher Ayer has been left out of the side in recent games, hasn't he? Uh, 
and near Beton has come in. You know, as much as I like Beton as a player, you know, I think he's a smashing footballer, comfortable in possession of the ball. But if Celtic have aims off off the ten in a row, which naturally they have, of potentially getting into the Champions League group stages, I'm not sure that near Beton as a central defender would be enough. You know, when you come up against that top class player, uh, Shane Duffy is a natural central defender. Um, has plenty of international experience with Ireland. He would add good competition for places. You know, him and Christopher Julian, Christopher Ayer near Beton, you know, that's a strong four. Probably and, he, and he's a bit different. He's a bit different from what they have as well, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's pretty much a def- Maybe in Europe, maybe in the he's Stephen Craig and Mould. Well, I, well, maybe not as aggressive as you, but, yeah. but, but, a, but a defender who likes defending. Yeah, well, he wants to go and head the ball. You know, he wants to go and make tackles. He's a threat in the opposition box as well. Uh, you know, he has that Irish background, so Celtic will be a big club for him to go and play for. So I think certainly if Neil Lennon could get that over the line. It would be an attractive one. You know, we've already talked today about about Celtic being linked with other players and looking to spend money in other areas. Well, I, I think a central defender would probably be one of Neil's priorities in the next couple of weeks. So if it is Shane Duffy, then you know they're certainly getting a good player. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd love to see him come to the club, but I think um, he's ex- exactly what Stephen says. There. He's a very different type of player from Ayer and Julian, who are both... I admire the pair of them, and I think they're, they're good players, especially, um, well, I are on the ball, is fantastic, but I think the pair of them just don't have the kind of old-school strength mm-hmm. um, that a centre-half you sometimes need. So I hope I hope they can get them in. Just, not just competition for places. I know uh, Beton does a good job there. El Hamed can come in and do a good job there as well, but uh, you don't really want guys coming in that aren't natural centre-halves coming in to do a good job there you want other centre-halves coming in to do a good job there so and I think I think, I think, the, and I think the game at Kilmarnock was a bit of an eye-opener wasn't it for, for a lot of people uh, in the, the, the trouble that Nicky Kabamba caused two very two experienced I mean I know Ayer is young but they're both very experienced central defenders and at times they were getting pushed around yeah yeah well that's that we, we, ideally when you're playing against a centre a centre-forward that's going to give it out a bit you really want uh, a centre half that's just going to give as good as he gets. So you don't really want your centre half getting bullied. That's the last thing you need. So I think maybe someone like Duffy, um, a lot of people might think he's a bit of an uncultured centre half and, and isn't very good on the ball. But you don't necessarily always need that, you know. If you if yeah. you get if you get good players in front of him, then. They're the ones that you want to be good on the ball. It's probably more natural to him, Mark, to be that aggressive central defender making contact with centre forwards, wanting to get involved in a bit of a battle. You know, whereas Julian and I are sometimes, it kind of affects their game, it affects their mindset and their decision making. Whereas Shane Duffy would be right up for a good battle. You know, particularly in Scottish games away from home, you know, you go to tight, compact ground, you're wanting someone to go and show that aggression, making sure that, you know, you're not being bullied about the pitch or you're not being overrun. So, I think you're spot on. I think he enjoys that side of it and it would probably be more natural to him than what it would be to, to Julian and Ayer. Maybe in the way that Bobo yeah. Baldi used to just frighten people away. <laughs> <laughs> Bobo's going to well, get that, you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, Bobo obviously was, was a phenomenal player when he was at his prime and then it ended a bit sourly, you know, but um, I think you look at Julian and we spent maybe seven million if, if that's the rumour how much yeah. he signed for. You, you can't be spending seven million on a player that, that isn't aggressive in that position, you know. You, um, so I just think it's a no-brainer to go for someone of, of his type, and it's not it's not that much of a risk, you know. He, he comes with a pedigree, yeah. so. He's been playing at a good level, hasn't he? I'm wondering what yeah. you're thinking, Mark, about the other end of the team. And, and are you are you worried about 
Odson Edouard and just the chance of uh, Celtic getting an offer that they feel they can't refuse and today's story you'll have heard the, the rumours and, and of course they might be nothing more than, than rumours of course we'd have to stress that that, that uh, the story in Turkey being that Celtic have agreed a £7 million fee for the Ghanaian striker Caleb Ekuban of, of Trabzonspor and um, we were just saying earlier in the show that if Celtic were to be shelling out that sort of money for a striker then uh, they wouldn't be you wouldn't be talking squad strength at that point you'd, you'd be talking about a player who would be in the starting lineup and and maybe paving the way of, or or covering the potential departure of Odson Edouard is is that is that worrying news to you is that something you worry about? Well, we lost um, we lost the backo wasn't it? Sorry, the, who was the boy we lost? Um, it was in the fringe of the team didn't make much of an impact. Um, oh, what was his name? This week, this week's competition. I know. I mean, Griffiths has obviously had a bit of a. I don't know. There's been a lot of questions asked about what's going to happen with Griffiths. So I don't know. Seven million pound doesn't seem like a lot to be to be just a bench warmer. So hopefully, hopefully there's no truth in, it and it's just rumours because Edward. I mean, this guy, this guy, this guy, from what I understand, his he stats are something like. I don't know, maybe his goals are in the teens versus games, about 60 games and about less than 20 goals. So the stats don't back up that it would be a replacement for Edward. So yeah. maybe maybe he's just a forward, a forward player rather than a striker. So hopefully it's not a like-for-like like idea, you know. It's going to be interesting anyway, um, if a bit nail-biting potentially. But uh, Mark, thanks for your call. Good to hear from you again. Okay. Thanks, thanks Mark. Cheers. Take care. And from Mark in Newton Mearns, let's hear from Sean next on the Go Radio Football Show. Sean's got a question for us. Hi, Sean. Hiya. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. What would you like Hiya. to say? No, just on the recent Scotland announcement, just going by the strikers, it doesn't really give me much hope. Oh, dear. What we've got. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't sound like the voice of optimism to me. I'm, I'm just looking at the squad. So in terms of strikers, we've got Ollie Burke, Lyndon Dykes, Ollie McBurney, Lawrence Shankland. Uh, that doesn't clearly excite you, judging by the tone of your voice. Not really. Well, Shankland obviously hasn't played since the first game of the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been out injured. It just doesn't really make much sense. And then Ollie... London Dykes, London Dykes has been playing well, hasn't he? He's, I don't know, just, I think Ollie McBurney would be probably the best option out of the three. Was there someone you fancied, Sean? Was there someone you were hoping that would be announced that wasn't? Nah, it's always going to be Griffiths, but he was never going to get called up. So, it just there's not really much op- more options than that, but it just depends what way he decides to play. I guess, I guess the two that scream out as not being there are Lee Griffiths, who's obviously got that calf problem at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Naismith as well uh, of Hearts, who presumably had had he been in action, he would have been involved, Stephen? Yeah, you would think so. It, it, listen, it's been an issue now for a little while, hasn't it? Trying to get someone who can play in that number nine role as a lone striker, if that's the system to go with. Someone who can regularly get goals at international level. Stephen Naismith is getting a little bit older, so for him to play as a lone striker, it's a lot of legwork for someone of his age, I think, to try and have that kind of same impact. I think he's better in behind the strikers. Ollie McBurney's got all the tools. He's got the pace, he's got the physical presence, he's got the strength. 
but it's just sometimes his game knowledge you know you just watch him sometimes Rob and it's almost like a, a speedboat without a driver at times you know he's just going one direction and it, it, it looks as if he's not in control of his his um, his game at times he has got the attributes moving forward but Lyndon Dykes is the one I think where you know if he can come in and nail that spot down if he can have a good game against Israel if he could get a goal in his debut or something like that suddenly it just changes the whole dynamics of the team so um, listen it is a position that you know Scotland are crying out for someone to really make their mark as a number nine in international football and score goals yeah definitely you know so it's then up to the players I think Sean as well you know they have to that's the responsibility of the players that when they get up. It's a, it's a great chance for someone. They isn't have it? to go and take it. Absolutely, you do. So, if you're worried about the the striking area, uh, presumably you're also worried about the defensive shape of the team. How how that's going to line up and who's going to be in there? How you accommodate yeah. Tierney and Robertson? That's always been that's been the problem for the last few years. Is where you put Tierney and Robertson? What would what would you do? The team and how you play it. <laughs> I'll meet you, Stevie that's Clark, always. for a moment. What are you going to do? What are you going to do a week on Friday? Well, Tierney seems to play well anywhere across the back line, but if it's if he's comfortable there, he seems to be more flexible than likes of Andy Robertson. He just seems to be left backs his or left wing backs his position, but Tierney seems a bit more flexible where he plays. So hopefully he goes Tierney at right and Robertson left, and then I'm not sure about the centre backs. Maybe we play there. We'd uh, Scotland fan Gordon on a few a few minutes ago. He was saying two 0 Scotland against Israel week on Friday. I'm sensing by the tone of your voice, Sean, that you're not quite as optimistic as that. Not, not well, not really. But I'm sure they'll go and prove me wrong and beat them, no problem. But Ollie McBurney, it seems to be not Ollie McBurney, but most of the players seem to do it really well at their club level. And then when it comes to internationals, obviously we're playing a different system. They just don't seem to perform as well. But hopefully, McBurney's definitely the better option because the level he's playing at just now in the Premier League, you would think he would be the one he would go with. Yeah. Which is how, how he performs next week. Thanks for your call, Sean. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Sean. Not a problem. Thanks, Scot- Scotland fan, Sean, with uh, doubts about what's going to happen a week on Friday. Let's talk David Turnbull now for a, for a few minutes because that looks like a, a transfer that is very much imminent uh, with each passing day. Of course, he was due to move from Motherwell to Celtic in a £3 million deal before he had to undergo knee surgeries back. Uh, he's fit. He's playing well again uh, for a Motherwell team who are struggling, but he's certainly not struggling for form at the moment. Celtic will be happy that uh, he's back fit and firing again. Uh, Neil Lennon sounds decidedly cheesed off about more questions about David Turnbull, but here's the latest. As far as I know, but uh, I've no idea how how far or how, how close anything's you know, going to be confirmed. Um, Were he to sign for Celtic, what would they be getting? Here's potentially one of his teammates soon, Callum McGregor. Yeah, I think he's been excellent. Um, you know, obviously Celtic have been monitoring for a while and um, you know, he's a top young player, so I think it'd be good if we could get him in and like I said, another another face, another bit of competition for the for the boys as well and, and, and that always drives the standard on. Um, you know, to get him in would be would be good for Celtic and, and good for us. Well, it would certainly uh, be good for competition when Celtic are struggling to find room for Tom Rogic. Maybe he's on the way out at the moment. Uh, and Olivier Incham already is uh, David Turnbull about to go into the mix as well. We were speaking about this last night, Stephen, with uh, with Barry and with Sai. And 
I guess one concern that came up in the course of the conversation was David Turnbull getting games because yeah. having missed so much because of his because of the surgery, it's so important that, that that he gets games, whoever it's for at the moment. And were he to join Celtic immediately, there would be presumably no guarantee of that. Well, there's no guarantee ever, Rob. I don't think you know for for players you have to go and earn the right. And and David would know himself joining a club like Celtic, you have to earn the right to get yourself some games. You know, we've spoken about it before about the potential number of games this season for some players I mean between now and between the start of the season and Christmas a turn of the year it was something like 40 odd games 42 games potentially some of those top class Celtic players could play so there will be rotation somewhere along the line if again the Europa League group stages there'd be there'd be moments to play but the one thing that if David Turnbull went to Celtic I think they would be surprised how good he is I know sometimes you play against players and you hear stuff talking about it until you train with them on a daily basis and you see them up close they will know he's a good player, but I think he will surprise or surpass what their initial thoughts are of him. He's such a technically gifted football player. I've known him since he was 16. He, he, he played in, in our Youth Cup winning team when he was 16 years of age at Hamden. He has the temperament for it. He has the quality for it. I mean, the biggest kind of compliment you can play is, is that you know some of the older players at Motherwell a couple of seasons ago said it was great. You used to just give him the ball and he didn't give you it back. Because he wants the ball, he wants the ball at his feet. He's not happy unless he's in control of the football. He wants to dictate the game. He wants to score goals. He's got a real hunger about him. And what I've noticed, or what's probably grown on him over the past year, is his mental strength. Considering his issues he's had previously with the injury, missed out in the move financially could have been huge. It's easy to lose that and lose your track. So, really mentally strong and a top class young man. Would he just barge his way into the team then? Because when you look at Celtic at the moment, how would you leave out Scott Brown or Callum McGregor or Ryan Christie? Well, he certainly wouldn't barge into the team immediately. But I, I, I generally think the Celtic players and staff would think, oh, do you know what? He's better than what we think he when, is. When they see him close when up. When they see him up close and when they see him playing and see how he affects training and see how calm and composed that he is. And the thing about David Turnbull as well, I think he could move again. If he goes to Celtic for three or four years and has a, and has a good spell there, he could go for proper big money even after that, Rob. I think he's got that ability to go again or if he's quite happy to stay at Celtic for his career if the move goes through, fine. But I think he's good enough that there's improvement again in him to potentially get another move after that. And presumably he's got the ability as well from what you're saying. He's in the under-21 squad at the moment but to get into the full Scotland squad and be elbowing people out yeah. of that as well. Well, that's just what Scotland need is another midfield player, isn't it? To try and make <laughs> yeah, exactly. nine or ten, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, But, you know... Temperament-wise, when you go to a club like Celtic, some people could be overawed, but David has never been overawed by anything, You know, whether playing uh, reserve football, under-20 football, reserve football, first-team football. He's taken it in a stride. It's been natural for him to progress, and I think it's natural for him to take that next step to the next level to really push himself. Take him out of his comfort zone a little bit, but it won't phase him one little bit, because if you're so good with the ball, Rob, and you're so technically good and your awareness is good and everything about it, no matter what level you play at, you will still be able to adapt. It's 6.21 and you're with the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go! It's the Go Radio Football Show and that uh, that breaking news, that's a developing story regarding uh, Man United and England defender Harry Maguire uh, found guilty in Greece of aggravated assault, resisting arrest, repeated attempts at bribery. He is a... a tendering a plea of not guilty to those charges and his legal team uh, is putting together an appeal as we speak. He was named today in Gareth Southgate's England squad. 
We were speaking Celtic uh, before the break um, and David Turnbull and that transfer which seems set to happen uh, eventually from Motherwell to Celtic for the 21-year-old midfielder. Let's talk about Rangers now. And uh, story from France today, if that one is to be believed, is that uh, Alfredo Morelos is piling on the pressure and uh, looking to get his move, it seems, to Lille. £18 million is the fee that's being spoken about. He's been the goal machine for Rangers in recent seasons. He will be a massive loss in that respect, but it does look, especially uh, on the back of having been left out of the Rangers team, which beat Kilmarnock at the weekend, Stephen, it does look as if that is a deal that's about to go through as well. Yeah, you know, the fact that he wasn't even a sub at the weekend probably tells you what Stephen Gerrard has thought. And you have to say, since Stephen Gerrard has came to England, uh, sorry, Scotland, I can't imagine many press conferences he's been in and hasn't been asked a question about Alfredo Morelos, no. positive or negative. And after a while, it takes its toll. And, and and that's not to say that it's all Alfredo Morelos' fault or what's going on. There just there seems to be a lot follows him about. And as a manager, that can be energy zapping. That your full focus is on one player or or the questions are coming about one player, you get fed up, it's just repetitive questions time and time again. So it just seems to be now that enough is enough. The time has come for him to move on. He's been a terrific asset for Rangers. They got him in for a good price. They look as if they're going to make a lot of money on him moving out the door. But the fact that he brought in Kemar Roof and, and Cedric Itten tells you that Stephen Gerrard's making plans without Alfredo Morelos. So um, if you know we can't comment on what's happened at training we don't see it we're only privy to what happens on the pitch has he looked himself since the turn of the year I think Darren Jackson touched on it earlier on no he hasn't he scored three goals in his last 16 Rangers games when was the last time Alfredo Morelos you thought he had a really strong top performance probably that old firm game at the end of 2019 at Celtic Park when they won by two goals to one when Katic got the winner that was probably the last time Rangers fans thought we've got a proper player he's really at it he's looking lean he's looking fit he's looking hungry he's had little spells since then Rob but he hasn't reached the levels of what Stephen Gerrard would expect from him and it seems to be now that the decision will be made I would imagine he'll leave the football club very soon and also those performances in the Europa League against really top opposition, six group goals in yeah. six group games. Terrific. Uh, fantastic. And and that's what will make the Rangers fans um, worried about what they're losing in terms of quality of player, quality of striker, uh, the goals he gets for them. And no matter how impressed you are with the early uh, sightings of Kemar Roof and Cedric Eaton, um, they're, they're unproven in the long yeah. term. Um in what is a massive season. Yeah. Well, that's the first thought process is losing Alfredo Morelos as a player, losing his goals in big, in, in big European games, how he came to the fore in European nights. You suddenly start to think, right, okay, we're losing that. But Stephen Gerrard has to manage the player, he has to manage Rangers. And if, if he has been an issue around the training ground, if he's not been happy at training, other players are aware of that, Rob. Other players aren't silly. So Steven Gerrard has to be careful how he manages the situation if there's been issues and he hasn't been training his best. He certainly is not as lean as what he has been so his fitness levels aren't where they should be or where you expect from someone of the, of the ability of, of Alfredo Morelos. It's such a big decision, isn't it? Well, it is, but it, it just seems like it's run its course. The fact that he wasn't even a sub of the weekend, Steven Gerrard's quote was something along the lines of paraphrasing, I only want players who are hungry for the shirt and want to do a job. Now that is a damning report on a player in your squad. That's basically that one player. That's what he's talking about with regards to Morelos when he's asked the question. That is him basically saying, I've had enough. 
I need to manage this football. This football club is bigger than one player. Is it a risk? It may well be. We may have to suffer short term until we get people up to speed. But he can't affect the harmony and 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 the the happiness of a dressing room for one player. I've been in enough dressing rooms where there's one but one person who is, are two people who aren't maybe Bit of all a bad put, egg. Well, I don't Come like on, to use names. That. <laughs> no, I, I don't like to use that phrase because I I don't know him personally. Right. I don't know if that's been a situation. But certainly by Stephen Gerrard's comments, he wasn't happy with his application during the week. That's right. what would tell me after this. Maybe he realised he wasn't playing the team and his attitude wasn't what Steven Gerrard would expect of a top-class Rangers player. That's it's, what it's, that it's, it's obviously out. disruptive, isn't it? And, and it's such, a, such an important phase of, of the season. There probably won't be an unimportant phase of the no. season, but, but Rangers have got off to a good start. They have. Celtic have missed a couple of games. Rangers have had the chance just to ease themselves ahead of their, mm-hmm. their big title rivals, as they would see it. And he must want this sorted right now. If... Morelos is going, as seems the case. Then make it happen right now, yeah. and 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 get organised and decide who is in the team, who is going to do the job for Rangers this season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, move them on if that's the situation. Get the money back in that will that will cover the cost for the players they signed, and and the team and the harmony will be much better if that is to be the case. He wants everybody pushing in the right direction. He said it himself. He wants everybody playing for the shirt. He wants people hungry to play for the football club. A huge season. This season will define Steven Gerrard as a manager with regards to success, getting his first trophy first and foremost, and if he could stop 10 in a row, it gives him something to really build on. He will, you know, enlighten himself to, to the Rangers supporters even more. That's all they want this season is to stop 10 in a row. They don't care how they do it, they have to do it. And if Stephen Gerrard thinks it's better for the squad not to have a player who isn't going to be happy when they're not playing, who's maybe going to cause a little bit of unrest, he has to make that decision. Now, you can't let it fester and fester and fester. Then it's too late, Rob. He's had enough. It's time to move on, I think, and it's time for for Alfredo Morales to go and start a new chapter somewhere else and no doubt he will be a success. We're into the last half hour of the Go Radio Football Show. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, Stephen Cragen here for a Tuesday. And joining us right now, the former Hibs and Derby and Portsmouth and Stoke. I'm not going to read them all out, Kev. Um, it's a, a long list of clubs you've played for with distinction. What a great career you had. And most recently, of course, you manager at Albion Rovers. Kevin Harper, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourselves? How are you doing, guys? Very well. We're, good. We're all good, Kev. We're all good. How did that? How, how did that end at Albion Rovers, Kevin? It, they offered me. They offered me a new contract, uh, but I decided to decline it. Uh, there was just the issues that I felt that you know it was for me. It was uh, a trust thing had had been broken during the season, and I felt that it was just time to go. You know, and look for look for something else uh, in the pipeline. Really, pretty disappointing. Yeah, yes, but at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm well, I'm long in the tooth to know that, that this happens in football. This happens in football. You know, I think we we as it was a group had done well. I think if we had we'd kept the group together this year, we would have probably been up top. You know, there was a lot of players that that was a, probably their first season that we had brought in. You know, we had we had targets in mind. We had targets in mind that I'd already spoken to that were willing to come. That would have made us even better. But you know, in hindsight, that's. That's the way things happen, you know. I've got no, I've got no regrets on it. You know, Albion Rovers were fantastic for me. They gave me the first opportunity, and I'll always, always be grateful for, grateful for that. You know, whether it's my my last job, my first and only job, you know, I'll always be grateful to the board and to the fans for backing us, even even at the the, the times we struggled. You know, but you know, for me, I've got nothing bad to say about the club. You know, it was a fantastic experience for me. You know, I kept them kept them in the in the league, which. Nobody expected us to stay in the league, you know, when I took over. You know, and we all the all the stats of, you know, the season there, uh, 
look to sh- to show that we've done better than what we what we did the, the year previously. Yeah, you said it, Kev. Your first taste in management has it whetted your appetite to get back in somewhere else? Yeah, mate. I, w- I want to get back in. I think you know it's not. It doesn't necessarily have to be a managerial role that I'm looking at. You know, I'm I'm always learning. I'm always willing to to go in and as an understudy and you know a you know a youth or a reserve manager. I've got no issue. I've got no. You know, I've got no chip in my shoulder that I want to be the main man. You know, at the end of the day, if a, a club comes calling and it's an under-23s or, you know, under-18s, then I would certainly look at it. You know, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be the manager's role, but I really enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed being the manager, the, my head on the on the chopping block, so to speak. You know, but I've got no qualms of, of dropping down to be uh, underneath anyone. Lots of football people, Kev, listening to this show. What, what, what would you say to them, potentially, they would get in Kevin Harper? I think they would get someone that's honest 100%, you know, someone that will work their socks off and is a good coach. You know, I think, I think I'm a good coach with good ideas, you know, but at the end of the day, what I, what I do have is, is loyalty to, you know, whoever was going to bring me in. You know, and that's, that's the most important thing. It's not as if I'm looking at it for a stepping stone to take their job if it's the manager and I go in as a first-team coach, you know, I'm there to assist them. You know, and that's, that's, what, that's what it's about and, you know, give... Honest opinion on what they are what they are looking for. Black managers and coaches are sadly a rarity in Scottish football, a rarity in English football as well. When you think about it, why is it? Yeah. I, I I think I think there's I think there's a little bit of you know why would a black footballer say want to go and spend X Y Z amount of money or or someone you know that's want to get into football when they don't really necessarily are going to get the get the opportunity. I think there is, you know, I've said it many times, I think there is uh, there is a bit of institutional racism as well. You know, I think if you look at the amount of, amount of jobs in Scotland and in England, you know, there's only probably about, you know, 5%, 5%, you know, of black and ethnic managers. You look at Scotland, you take Scotland, there's one, you know, and that he's a, he was a, he's the first black manager that's been, you know, in the Premier League in 17 years. I was the first one in 15 years. And I've said before, I think in any other walk of life, it would be outcry, but somehow, you know, in football, it's it's acceptable. But I, I think there's definite change coming. You know, I I say all the time, I don't expect and I don't deserve a job because I'm black. You know, I have to go through the right the right processes. You know, if the the board or the whoever it is, you know, the the director of football thinks that I'm the best man for the job, then you know, I should get I should get the job. But I think what black and ethnic managers and coaches are looking for is an equal opportunity, you know, to get that to get in front of that board. And Kevin, I think that's, oh, that's the biggest downfall. Kevin, we were talking to Marvin Bartley the other day. He's doing his coaching badges at the moment. Yeah. And we were talking about this same issue. Um, and he also brought up the, the point that are there a lot of black managers who are um, got their coaching badges who aren't getting the opportunity? I mean, do you know quite a few people who have got their coaching badges that are looking for work? Or is it more that maybe they're not actually going for the coaching badges because they think they, they might not get a chance? No, I, th- I think there's more black and ethnic people uh, coaches going for their badges now than what mm-hmm. there was, say, you know, 15 years ago. That's for, that's for sure. You know, but I think if you look at it and you think Scottish football, you know, maybe, say, 20% of the players are, are black, you know, but there's only one manager, which is probably about, you know, less than 1%, you know, of the coaching jobs. I think there's a big discrepancy there. You know, I think more and more black and ethnic coaches are taking their badges, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, they're not getting jobs, whether that is the fact of uh, chairman, director of footballs, 
have you know people in mind mm-hmm. so they don't they don't go through that process that recruitment process and i think that's a difficult part you know if you're not going through a, a recruitment process how are you meant to get your your face or your cv in front of anyone and i always i always use the analogy of if kevin harper and zinedine zidane put their cvs into a club you know you look at you look at both cd cvs and zinedine, zinedine zidane gets a, gets the job every day of the week because he's got a better CV than Kevin Harper. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. You know, I think managers, sorry, chairmen, speak to their mates, speak to, you know, agents. You know, so if you've not got an agent and you and the agent's not doing that thing, side of side of things for you, how do you get into the last one or two? Is that you know, the I same think... if you're black or white, though, I guess, if, if you've not got a friend in there or somebody who's going to help you? Or not really? No, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. If you look at it, you look at the amount of white managers that are say had failures at, at clubs and get other jobs, you know. And you look at you look at the comparison. Yeah, there's less black managers, but you if you look at the black managers that have had jobs that don't get other jobs or struggle to get other jobs, you know, then that's that's the issue. And did, did I hear you right, Kevin? Is you, are you optimistic that things are are changing, or or, or is it still a pretty depressing situation? I, I would, I would hope, I would hope that things are, things are changing. I think the Black Lives Matter movement, etc., is, is shining light on, you know, the inequality. You know, as a, as a, I'll repeat again. You know, it's not me saying that I want a job because I'm black. No, I don't deserve a job because I'm black. I deserve an, an equal opportunity, and I think that's what people miss. It's about equal opportunity. You know, if I have, if I have the opportunity to get in front of a board, you know then it's up to me to make that board believe that I'm the right man for the job. You know, look at my... I can only talk for myself. You know, it's been well documented the amount of interview, uh, amount of CVs that I put in. You know, I got one job and one interview and actually got the job. And Congratulations. Done a, done a relatively good job on in there. You know, but at the end of the day, that's that's me. You know, over 40, over 40 applications. Lots of people would have just knocked it in the head after 10. And I think that's what happens with a lot of black coaches. They go, what's the point? What is the point? Because we know we're never really going to get in. Let's talk about your old team, Hibs. Um, yeah. Up at the top end of the of the Premiership at the moment, Kevin. Um, do you think they can stay up there for a bit longer? I think they, I think they can. You know, I think they're, they're, they're obviously scoring goals and not conceding goals, which is always, always good. I think Jack's brought a steely determination in with them, along with good flair. You know, I think of of pretty much most of the time being, you know, had flair, but not maybe that steeliness to, you know, grind out results. But I think he's brought it, he's, he's doing that at the present moment in time. The players are doing really well of uh, reception, re- being receptive to what Jack's bringing in. Yeah. You know, and I certainly think they, can, I think they can stay up there for, you know, a good while. Craggs, we had Stevie Mallon on the show uh, last night talking about his uh, winner in Perth on, on Sunday from, from the penalty spot. And he, he was talking about the amount of work they've done with Jack Ross. Kev, you, your reaction to this as well on defending? Because midfield to front, Hibs have always been pretty refreshing yeah. in that regard, but but always leaking goals, Craggs. That's changed. Yeah, listen, I think what happens sometimes is managers spend an awful lot of time with their team in possession of the ball. You know, you do a lot of forward patterns, you do a lot of crossing and finishing, you all do a bit splitting from the back and trying to start play and build up play. And sometimes people forget about the other side of the game. 
you know, it's just as important that when you don't have the ball, what's your recovery positions? What's your shape you want to go into? How deep do you want to go in the pitch? How compact can you be? Where do you want to show the opposition to? You know, put them into your strengths. Do you want them to cross from deep? Do you allow them to come up the pitch? So all these things come into play. And probably last weekend against Motherwell was a good sign of that for Hibs because they didn't play particularly well. Uh, Motherwell had certainly more of the ball, looked as if they you know, were going to be more of a threat than what Hibs were, yet Hibs managed to keep themselves in the game, didn't concede a goal, and a game where they didn't play well, they got a nil-nil rob and they get a point. So that's certainly a, a, you know, a huge part of the game. We've been talking managers, Kevin, and Jack Ross yeah. is certainly a, a growing talent, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know, even even at Sunderland, you know, he was he was fantastic there. I think he was very harshly harshly dealt with there. But you know, he's he's came in at Hibs and he's he's done really really well. And like Craig says, you know, I think if you can keep clean sheets, you always get the opportunity. You always get one or two opportunities in a game, no matter how bad you're playing to what to to win the game. You know, or to score. You know, and if you can keep clean sheets, it gives it breeds confidence that when you get that chance, that you know that if you make it. You know, like Stevie Mallon's penalty, it's a one-nil win. Thank you very much. You take the three points and you move on, and yeah. it makes it makes Jack, Jack's job a lot easier. You know, yeah, he'll go through how they didn't play well, but I think if you're you're not conceding goals, like I say, you always get a chance to you always get chances to score. Kev, really good to hear from you, and uh, good luck in your search for a new job. Cheers, guys. Kev, all the best. You. Cheers, Kev. Cheers, Cheers, speak to you. Cheers, bye. Give us a call. Oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Just about 15 minutes to go on the Go Radio Football Show. Good to have you with us on a Tuesday between 5 and 7. Um, we've had Darren Jackson tonight. We've had Kevin Harper. We've had Robbie McCrory. A new entry in the Scotland squad today named by Stevie Clark. It's been lively as ever. Thanks for your calls. And the latest caller on the line is David, who's part of the Cycle Well uh, double act David raising uh, fundraising at the moment and uh, getting through a fair old mileage in the process and looking to raise around about £14,000. Tell us all about it. Um, yeah, Rob. Um, well, we're just, um, as Mo fans, really, really, really missing getting to the games. Um, and we're seeing everyone taking on uh, cycling as a hobby. And really what we're trying to do is just encourage people to get on their bikes as much as possible um, while trying to raise some money uh, for a uh, mental health charity in Scotland, Sam H. Um, that's Muddle's official charity this year. Um, and what we're trying to do is basically stick to the, the fixture schedule uh, as much as possible uh, and cycle from Fair Park, the, the home of Scottish football, obviously. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to, to laugh there. We've got something in oh, common, David, you're fine. Oh, listen, I know I'm used to it. Um, the home of Scottish football, basically, to all the other grounds um, in the country from Fair Park. So tell me this, have you, did you do Dingwall? Uh, Dingwall is on the list. Um, but you didn't You didn't do it on the on the, the opening game? Uh, our first, our, we didn't do the opening game, no. Um, we, we we should have, though, because when, when it's coming up in the calendar, our first game actually was, was Livingston. Um, we cycled out to Livy uh, and back again, and then we went to Easter Road. Uh, and then just Saturday there, we done, it was Hamilton, so we thought cycling the four miles for us seemed to be asking for donations, you know, <laughs> uh, a little rich. Uh, so we done a, a Lanarkshire Cup and we cycled to all uh, league and low and league uh, grounds in Lanarkshire. Um, so that's we done that, Saturday just passed. Have you worked out how much mileage you're going to do over the course of the season? Oh, goodness, Rob, I think it must be something close to maybe eight, 
800s potentially. Um, about say, it, might, it might put you off when you see how many you've got to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I think when you add Ross County into that, I think Ross County alone is a, over three, 300 and three or four hundred miles. Well, that's it, Stephen. I mean, that that is that is doing the round trip. Um, I don't know if my work would be too happy with me taking days off. Oh yeah, to be cycling back down the road. So uh, we're trying to we'll do the return trip when it seems feasible, um, and then sort of manage around everyone's sort of uh, work schedule um, at the moment as well. Um, but certainly up to Dingwalls and Aberdeen and all that's a good. It's close to two hundred, I think, on those two trips alone. So. Um, I think over 800 anyway, definitely. So. I think it's about 300 yeah. odd miles when Stephen's doing his expenses. Um, <laughs> possibly, it might not be. That might be an, an accurate ha- mileage. That's what happens when you go via Berwick, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> David, I've just had a look at the amount that you're trying to raise and realised that you're trying to raise one pound for every seat at Fir Park, which therefore makes it thirteen thousand seven hundred and forty-two. Mm-hmm. What gave? Yeah. Why was that the idea? To be honest with you, I, I, I think that, you know, it's a nice visualisation for people, you know. Um, I've certainly been to Fur Park many, many times. Uh, I've usually seen most of those seats, the front and the back of them, unfortunately, um, sitting empty, you know. And you just think £1 for every seat in there, and we could really raise uh, a significant amount of money uh, to support mental health in Scotland, basically, uh, and to try and get motoring. Um, and just the connection to the club, you know, it's... It's a number, um, as a boy growing up, you know, I would recite. Um, I'd know my facts about Motherwell. I know the year we were founded. I knew how many seats were in the stadium. And it, it just seemed like a nice uh, a nice link to the club, really. Yeah. Who's, the, who's the best ever captain you've uh, had? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I'll, put one t- I'll put some facts to you. Can you remember how many own goals that I scored? Um, Craig, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I can't remember any of them. I only remember your good favorite. man. I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you a rough figure. I think it's about 23. You're joking. <laughs> yeah. I think there was yeah. five in a row one time. There was five in a row one Oft. time. Um, it's been a few. But listen, 23, got, 23 from Motherwell. Uh, well, maybe not in total. Certainly, when you had international ones as well. In your well, career. Listen, yeah. Wow. There's one, there's one goal I particularly remember, and you'll remember it as well. And it was the most bizarre goal maybe ever. And it's when you opened yeah. the gates. Remember the gates my, getting opened? I scored from a throw in. Right. Threw a ball in from the stand, the opposite side. It was Alan Coleman goals for Kilmarnock. It bounced. If he left the ball and hadn't touched it, it wouldn't have counted. He tried mm-hmm. to sit bounced hand. He tried to save it. and He put it in with his hand. So mm-hmm. that's how. And mm-hmm. I think that guaranteed his top six in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, two thousand and four, two thousand and five. So it did. just on your cycle, uh, I donated slightly earlier on before we come on the show, and I will say to you tonight on the radio, I will at some stage join in with you uh, and take take part in one of the cycles it may not be to is, Dingwall is this wise it, <laughs> it may not be to Dingwall but I will I'd started doing a bit of cycling over lockdown I haven't done it for the past two or three weeks okay. um, I was getting up to about 100 mile a week about 100 mile a week which was great um, so great. I, I will join in one of your cycles at some stage uh, and take part for mental health I think it's a, a, a wonderful cause and a wonderful charity you're doing it for so I think any help or any kind of promotion for it can uh, can only push you forward. Is that okay, David? Right. I mean, just just one warning. It might slow you down a bit. That's the only thing, <laughs> you know, because you'll be used to a fair old pace. Not at all, not at all. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Um, we're trying to get uh, your man Robbo as well. We're trying to get yeah. Stephen in. Well, I've done a bit of cycling with him over lockdown. Once we were allowed to be within other people, Stephen and I were out quite a bit and we right. covered quite a bit of mileage, which was good, so... I'm sure if uh, if once results turn around, I'm sure he's probably more approachable to ask him just to do it. But I'm sure he would do it as well. <laughs> David, David, it's a great, it's, it's a great thing you're doing, and uh, and good luck with it. And thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Just to say as well, um, you can catch the the Just Given page 
Um, maybe via our Twitter is maybe the best way to get it. You can follow us on CycleWell2020 and the Just Given link uh, is there if anyone's feeling uh, generous to donate to Sandwich. I'm literally doing it right now. Brilliant. CycleWell2020. <laughs> David, thanks very much for joining us on the GOAT Radio football show. Let's talk tomorrow night before we go. European football, of course. Celtic against Ferenc Varos, the Hungarian champions. And Neil Lennon's been talking about it. Well, it's a tough game. We've got, you know, really stiff opposition. Um, so we're giving this our utmost concentration and, um, you know, we've done a lot of work on them and um, utmost respect. And also the view of midfielder Callum McGregor on that game. Like you said, we're aware of you know where the standard is and, and how good the competition can be for us, and and that's ultimately where we want to be. But you know we've got to do these these qualifying games, and, and like I said, there's there's no way we're we're underestimating this team. You know they know they'll come, they'll fancy their chances, and it's about us. You know um, going into the game with a positive attitude and and working hard and, and earning the right to win the game. They're the Hungarian champions, um, but there's always a huge slice of uncertainty at this stage of the season um, when the Scottish teams draw some teams you haven't heard of before we have heard of Ferenc Faros obviously um, what will how good will Celtic have to be do you think Craig's to get over this hurdle tomorrow night well they'll have to be effective on how they play no doubt about it uh, you know the fact that it's a one-legged tie is that Celtic Park is hugely in their favour you know, what they would have benefited even more from would have been a full a full house at Celtic Park. So that might help Ferenc Varos ever so slightly because the, you know that intimidating atmosphere that Celtic fans create. Uh, Neil Lennon, I think, also said today at some stage that uh, the Champions League isn't their priority this season, and I think the Celtic fans would unite with his, with their manager and say getting ten getting this tenth title. Well, is, is well hold hold that thought because uh, we have uh, Neil Lennon here talking about that. Uh, it's a it's a great talking point among the the Celtic fans about. Uh, the priorities, Europe versus title number 10. Same for Ronaldo, it's the same for Messi, you know, I've asked you, or, you know, before, just, you know, stop throwing names at me because, you know, I'm going to, you know, just keep batting off the, the questions really because it's not our policy and it's not principled to be talking about speculation. Yeah, we heard him earlier on speaking about David Turnbull. He didn't fancy that and he didn't really fancy talking about the other transfer stories that are swirling around Celtic Park at the moment. We're speaking about all the talk in Turkey um, at the moment about a potential £7 million striker signing. We dealt with that one earlier on. He also he also spoke about that one that the, that the fans talk about as well. Uh, where Europe comes on the priority list uh, versus winning title number 10 and, and there's, there's no doubt that is the priority but, but surely Celtic's reputation in Europe is hugely important as well and let's let's remember what they did last season some yeah. amazing results listen let's not take away from the fact he wants to get to the Champions League absolutely he does you know for his own standing in the game for the club standing back at the top table of, of European football of course he does I mean, you know that doesn't mean to say because it's not a priority a, a priority that he forgets about it Rob and the team don't turn up and play absolutely not you know they will want to get there as much as they possibly can um, you know they had the warning sign last year against Cluj they lost at home in the uh, 4-3 they lost them at yeah. the Champions yeah. League so that's a warning sign that even though you've got home advantage if you're not at it and you're not playing well then you can lose at this stage of the season so as much as it's not a priority he still will want to win the game he will want to take his club side to to the uh, Champions League group stages but on the bigger picture the Celtic fans would unite and say you're a choice you either have ten, the 10th title or Champions League 
all day long they would say the 10th title but don't tell the players tomorrow night about the, you know, the 10th title that won't be getting spoke about it'll all be winning the game being efficient if Celtic turn up and play well they will win the match last season against Cluj in the playoffs or in the uh, yeah in the qualifying rounds they didn't play well and they, and they quite rightly went out if they turn up tomorrow night and play well Celtic win the game and of course Thursday night um, we were speaking Motherwell just minutes ago and of course it's Motherwell against Glenn Torren and it's Aberdeen against Runovic and we just hope that all our teams do the business for us and keep on climbing in terms of the, the European rankings and, and make life easier. It's, mm. it, it can be a vicious circle on the way down but it's, uh, it's, the, it's the opposite when you're on the way up. Yeah, listen there's no doubt that the, that the other sides who represent Scottish football in European terms have to you know, do better. Results have to be better. We only have to look back at Kilmarnock last year against the Coniskey Nomads and they went out over two legs. That's unacceptable. Let's be honest. And Kilmarnock knew that at the time. So Motherwell and Aberdeen have a have to uh, win games. They've got to play well. But you've got to earn the right to win the games, Rob. And let's hope both sides can go through on Thursday night. And you were talking about those dates upcoming for draws as well. It's all really confusing because we're used it to is, draws yeah. being on a Friday at the end of the week, but that's not the case at the moment. And of course, we're not far away from the stage where Rangers come into the reckoning uh, for the European qualifiers yeah. as well. I think it's the 31st of August that is the draw for the for the next rounds of, of European competition. Let's hope all our four Scottish clubs are involved. Good luck to uh, Aberdeen and to Motherwell and of course to Celtic tomorrow night. We'll talk about, about that game a whole lot more in the course of tomorrow night's show. Uh, Barry Ferguson joins us for that one. We'll have Simon Donnelly on Thursday. Cy Ferry's back on Friday. It's all happening on the Go Radio Football Show.